0: Hey, what's going on? This is Artie Semi, and you are listening to the Canon Column Podcast, where we discuss everything Arsenal and Premier League's biggest headlines. I wanted to just take a second and introduce ourselves. I'll be hosting this with my great friend and fellow Gooner, Kyle Jenkins. I've been a Gooner since about 99. I remember I watched my first game when I was still living in Iran. Um, and uh, ever since then, I've just fallen fully in love. I've had the fortune of experiencing our peak... Um, at Highbury in the Winger era and Honorary era. And uh, I know it's been a tough decade or so, maybe close to 15 years of tough times ever since. But I've uh, also had the fortune of going to the Emirates Stadium about six times. And so far, zero losses experienced or even ties. So very grateful uh, for all of that. And I'm just super, super excited to start this.
1: Hey guys, my name's Kyle. I'm from San Diego and I've been supporting Arsenal since 2006. So I haven't seen our club hit the highest of highs, but I'm super excited about this new generation that we have building right now. Looking to provide you guys with some in-game analysis and chatting about the overall outlook of our club with Artie. See you guys. Danger here. Save! The goalkeeper's luck was in. Got to that well. Keeping hold of the ball here. Still got the ball. What well to win it back there. Control midfield, he can control the game. So important to get the upper hand in midfield. Right there, luck down the flag here. Nice idea. Now possibilities here. He's so difficult to tie down. He can leave a man for dead. Oh, what to feat this player's got! All right, all
0: right. What's going on? Canon Column podcast episode numero uno. Main man Kyle Jenkins on the line. What's going on, man?
1: Doing well. Feeling rested and reflected on yesterday's game, ready to uh, get into it, talk about what we saw, talk about what I saw, how we can move forward from it. Excited to uh, get this going.
0: Yeah, man, dude, I uh, I actually stayed up all night for the game, I think I told you. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, I, I got to say, that first half was, I think, the best I've seen all year, by far, especially against a team like City. It was refreshing because, you know, we're always so bad against them. The simplest passes are not going. So I was dead form, 430 on my couch, look, looking up, and they're they're waking me up out of my slumber. And it was just beautiful football left and right. And most importantly, they were just confident, no fear. And... Uh, one thing that I really took away from it right off the bat was we were actually attacking the middle and Partey was for once wasn't the side to side. He was actually looking to penetrate it. You just see the difference it makes. And then it isolates someone like Gabby Martinelli or, or Saka and they were just too much to deal with. But I, but I really immediately noticed is that midfield just looking fucking in the middle for once just looking up instead of how can I go sideways or how can I go back to a center back um so that's one thing that really stood out to me you know in terms of how we played but before I want to get into it any further i mean we just got to acknowledge that that was painful and um painful uh, and football can be very painful at times <laughs> with how it ended especially with how we played and and to go out that way just hurts a lot but um i told you before that I'm looking for the performance if the performance is there this is part of the growing process um but before I go into the player stuff uh what was your immediate take from it
1: yeah I'd like to echo what you opened up with and I thought the first half was phenomenal I've never seen uh, a team take it to city like that um even Liverpool Chelsea some of the bigger clubs in the world play a little bit scared against City because of their press, right? They press you, they turn you over, they make sure that they have 75-plus percent possession of the ball. And that just wasn't the case. There was a 10-minute period in the first half where we had them pinned back when uh, the goal actually came. That was that point in time that I'm talking about. We were able to turn over De Bruyne. uh, Ben White, quick pass to the middle. Shaka, quick pass to Odegaard. Odegaard to Tierney, allows the runners to come in. Tierney, a beautiful crossover to Sokka, and he just slots it right in. Like you said, we we were able to get it to the center of the park, move it quickly, and that's what we really have to see going forward, and that's what I'm really, really excited about. Martinelli looks dangerous every single time he has the ball. That run in the 42nd minute where he took on, uh, I think it was Cancelo, by himself, almost scored. That was impressive. That is what, we have been missing when we've been playing Yang and not playing Martinelli. It's just the pace, the confidence, the finishing. That'll come. He's still young, but overall, um, really, really happy with the performance. Obviously, it play, played out a little bit differently than we would have liked. I think it's part of the growing process. Um, another thing that I like to highlight is just the atmosphere at the Emirates this season has been yeah. incredible. We, you know, they tied the game up and I thought the fans really got into it even more. Um, The fans were just electric. Even at the end of the game, we lost. It was a deflating loss, but we were singing, chanting. And that's just a great takeaway. It's becoming a fortress. It's becoming a really hard place to play. Mm -hmm. And that's what you really need. So I was really, really encouraged by that.
0: Yeah, man, and I really wanted to touch upon that fan base that you talked about too, and the atmosphere overall. I just think it plays such a big part, and it just shows the unity, and it shows what Arteta is doing is working, you know. And I think the people who get on the Arteta out train, I mean, quite frankly, it, it, they just don't understand leadership on an organizational level. You know, any organization you're trying to develop it, uh, it he is doing it almost to perfection, and he's so inspiring. And I think for all leaders everywhere on every level they should really look up to especially people our age uh he's so inspiring in what he's done um and and that fan part uh the atmosphere is a big part of that and it's just so unified and you heard the it's so it's so funny because at the end immediate were booze right And then after the fans cheered, but not for a second. Did you think that the fans were booing the players? The players didn't even think that they knew it was for the refs and then they immediately changed it and and they started chanting and they all uh, uh, were just clapping for the players. And, and that was just amazing uh, to see. And um, so I was overall, you know, hurt. uh, But, you know, now looking back on it and thank God, we took a few days to do this. (laughs) I I, I'm really inspired um, by what we're doing. On that level, Uh, before we get into and you mentioned a little bit Martinelli, I want to touch on that. But before we get into that, it's it's uh, time for us to to complain a little bit about uh, the refereeing. (laughs) My God, dude, (laughs) (laughs) I was just looking over uh, the game again. And I guess I I don't know what it was. It's probably because it was so early in the goddamn morning. But I didn't know the Shaka foul. The ref told the player to get up, told Silva to get up and no call. And mm-hmm. that was an obvious and clear error. But yet mm-hmm. Odegaard's challenge wasn't an error. And I'm just so mm-hmm. fucking confused as to why is one oh oh not to mention the Bernardo one. He actually had to go to the TV. But for the Odegaard one, no TV. Mm-hmm. And I think it's fair to say, regardless of who you who you support, that is so like, that's not right because there's no standards for it. There's no mm-hmm. like detailed information as to why one was checked and why other one wasn't when they're so similar. And especially because the ref was so active in saying, get up, which was right because he fucking dove. He dove mm-hmm. big time. So the shirt pull was irrelevant. That was my mm-hmm. thing. shirt pull was irrelevant because he fell by himself. And, but yeah, I mean, that, that's what really stood out to me on the refereeing, um, which is frustrating, uh, but yeah, what do you think on that front?
1: Yeah, I, I want to echo what you said. Right, I, I think we're all just looking for consistency, right? Yeah. Man. Why isn't he going to? Why isn't he going to the sideline to look at Odegaard's? Maybe it's right. Maybe it's wrong. Maybe it confirms his decision. But at least he's had a second opportunity to look at it and say, "Okay, yeah, I, my my decision was right. That's okay. That's you know, being human, having some humility." I think some of these refs are so caught up in their ego and the bravado of them being in the middle of the pitch. Even look at him on the Martinelli chance uh where it's a wide open goal. Why is he at the, why is he at the six yard oh, yeah. box? You as a, as a ref should never be that close to try to influence play. And I just think he lost control of the game completely. Yeah, especially because they incident. have a little beeper
0: on when it crosses a wire, you need to get a good view of it. That run Thank was you. So, This isn't it 2018,
1: Was not intentional? This isn't 2018. We have goal line technology now. You can sit back at the halfway point. I'm not saying that you would ever do that, but like you can be, you know, outside the box and, and trust the technology. I just think he lost the plot completely. After that incident, he just started handing out yellow cards like they were candy on Halloween. I mean, Sokka gets a yellow. And then multiple other players get a yellow. I think I read that there were 11 fouls by Arsenal, five yellow cards, one red card, uh, and Rodri commits three fouls, no cards, all game. I don't want to sit here and make it all about the refs, but it was a little bit over the line in my opinion.
0: I just think, and you mentioned this a little earlier, it's just about accountability, I think, with the refs. You know, everyone else is accountable. I think all we want... Is for everyone to be accountable, and they're just not, and that's why they keep getting away with it. You know, they're reading, I was looking at um, a couple of people on Twitter who made some great points about Atwell's performance, and it's he's made some atrocious calls throughout the years, and but there's nothing happens to them. There's no tier system that you see these guys in the World Cup, man. Like it's there's just no uh, accountability, and if when there's no accountability, let in refereeing or any position. Uh, you start to lose quality and they don't care what they do. And even him running in the box, I don't think that was intentional or conspiracy was trying to stop him. It's just a wrong move. He probably was trying to see if it went in, but you don't need to do that. And you should be experienced enough to know that, listen, someone's trying to clean up. And what's interesting about that is he would actually finish with his right if the referee wasn't in his way. He had to hit it with his left going away. It was. A t- I mean, people say he should have slotted it in. Yes, but it's someone's weaker foot going away from him. It's tough. Um especially because he had to see the ball late.
1: And on that exactly, he, you know, it's a split second thing. Everything is fast in the Premier League, right? When you're at the top one percent of sports, everything is so fast. If you lose sight of the ball for even a second, and then your eyes have to get back on the ball, that's just going to be a a much tougher chance to finish with your dominant foot, let alone your non-dominant foot. So I think it just changes that whole run of play. And then they're able to clear the ball and then the Gabriel incident happens right Right. after that.
0: Yeah, and we'll get to that in a little bit. I wanted to highlight uh, a few players that stood out to me in that game, and then I'll hand it off. I knew you talked about Martinelli, but um, you can point out a few more. I got to go with uh, Thomas Partey. And, and first and foremost, because I have been extremely hard on him, thank God we're starting this uh, podcast uh, at this point, because some of the things I would have said before would not would not be so kind uh, right now. So I've been very hard on him, but hats off to him. Uh, 48 touches, 15 duels contested, nine of them he won, eight ball recoveries, six take-ons completed. Out of that, he completed five of them, four tackles, one chance created, one interception. That's, that's what we want. I mean, that's what we paid for quite frankly. Um, So I, you know, and with him, what stood out to me again, he started looking forward. His touches were great. And that's, but that's a crazy thing. And it's it's funny. It reminds me of FIFA because, you know, video game kind of, kind of allows you to see outside of it and how to break just a game and, and and move forward. And in that game, if you break the line through the midfield, everything opens up and it's not a surprise. You break a little bit of a line, they have to recover. And it's something that I'm just so happy seeing. So for sure, parte. Uh, is one of my guys that stood out and then um, second it has to be um, I'm going to combine them actually Martinelli and Saka um, they are just right now uh, intimidating other teams and, and I have not seen any of our players quite frankly intimidate anyone for quite some time so to have uh, two wingers that uh, attracts three to four players at a time they have a picture I don't know if you saw it of Saka running on the right. And there's a snapshot kind of from um, the left side of the field. Um, that's like six city players and Saka running in and they're all kind of like looking at him and trying to focus on him. Um, that's, I mean, for them to be able to do that, it's just going to always provide us channels to attack. It's always going to give us opportunities and chances. People are backing up. You know, he had Cancelo on the run. And I remember um, the commentator said that, you know, all season it's the first time he's seen Cancelo on his heels. And I think it speaks volumes. And um, yeah, those two were just amazing once again. And I'm just excited to see uh, what they're going to do in the future.
1: Yeah, those would be uh, two of the ones that I would point out. And I'll just add a little bit more on what I was seeing from Partey. There was a skill that I saw, I think it was in the 25th minute. He, you know, he took someone on in the midfield and he looked back and then he looked back forward and and he nutmegged someone. And I was like, wow, he's confident again. And then after that happened, he's pinging balls left, right, on range. You know, it, it you could just see the confidence really starting to build with him. And maybe it is coming back from injury. Every player is a little bit different, takes people some some time, a little bit more time than others to come back from from injuries and get that fitness. So not really sure if that's a part of it, but we really, really need him. To be that uh, Vieira type in the middle of the park, if if we want to get to you know top four this season, and then uh, just to touch on Saka, I, I I think you're just starting to see someone that is just oozing confidence and and really has the talent to go to the top. I think he can be one of the world class wingers in in all of football. Um, for him to be able to shrug off what happened at the Euros and come back this season. And I think elevate his game to a level that we didn't really see last season just speaks volumes to the type of player and person that he is. Because a lot of people would kind of crumble um, over what happened at the Euros, but he's really used that as fuel to ignite himself this season. So love what I'm seeing out of Saka. A player that stood out to me that I don't think a lot of people would discuss, but I wanted to uh, discuss a little bit is Tomiyasu. Um, I think he's one of the players that makes this whole team click. Mm-hmm. Uh, for years now, our right back situation has been awful. Something that, you know, we've talked about at length that mm-hmm. has been a huge, huge issue with Bellerin. And now that we have Tommy Asu there, he put Sterling in his pocket during that game. I don't think I remember seeing Sterling attack once, mm-hmm. get on the ball once, maybe once or twice. But uh having the ability to invert and really turn our defense into offense has been something that's really transformed our team over uh this year and hats off to Mikel and Edu for finding someone that like Tommy that a lot of pundits really dragged his name through the mud when we signed yeah. him And I think he's been one of our players of the season going forward what what, what are your thoughts on Tommy Oh, I absolutely love him.
0: And I think what makes him kind of a freak in terms of his talent is his heading ability. I mean, you cannot convince Serena there's a better heading right back in the league. I can't think of anyone at least, right? But he makes such a big difference with that because they can't attack really over the top with him because he's always in great position to head that ball. I mean, he heads the ball so much, and in the air, he looks so great. But uh, to echo what you said, I mean, he is just so – gifted and talented in terms of that inversion and change change into offense and his decision making man he's so mature and calm and to be able to do that quite frankly coming from syria and playing for a lower team a lower half of the table team in syria which is known to be extremely slow to come in the premier league and not miss a beat man i mean i remember i think he had i remember i saw his first air maybe the third game he didn't look too good it's a little rusty, and I was like, "Oh boy, you know, here we go." You know, because what always happens with new players in the PL, especially from uh, uh Serie A or uh, Liga One, is they struggle with the pace. They have they're obviously good in the beginning, and then they kind of crash for a little bit, and then you hope they come up. But Tommy has not missed a beat. He's just such a professional. He's so mature, and and you're spot on. And we needed a right back that is so solidified and gives soccer confidence. It gives the center backs confidence um it just makes such a good difference for the team you're spot on you brought up uh you made a you made a great point with Gabriel let's talk about his cards um you brought a good point that I didn't even think about um and I'm actually going to have a little devil's advocate argument for you because I I do believe it was a little bit harsh the situation but um yeah what what are your thoughts on on Gabriel
1: yeah so I just wanted to revisit this because I, I watched the game, obviously, and then I had a chance to think about it and had a chance to um, analyze it a little bit. But um, I thought back to his red car or, you know, he's only had two red cards in his career. He's still a very young player. Love him as a player. I think he is vital to our success this season and going forward. Passionate player. But with passion comes emotion, right? And. You really need to walk that fine line, when, especially when you're a center back. So if you remember back to last season against Southampton, and I went back and watched this, he picked up a cheap foul on uh, Shea Adams. And then four minutes later, uh, Southampton pings a ball over the top, very similar to what happened with City, pings a ball over the top to Theo Walcott, and Gabriel puts his hands on him. And gets a second yellow, very similar to what happened to, I think it was Gabriel Jesus. Now, I do think he's a player that can learn from this, but it is somewhat of a a pattern now where he picks up a cheap yellow card and the opposing team says, okay, it's time to ping balls over the top, get him out of position. He's a little bit emotional, and I think he's going to commit a foul that is going to affect the rest of the game. Now, I hope Mikel notices what I notice and pulls him aside when he's back at London Colney and says, hey, this is something that you need to work on. Um, I love you as a player. I love your passion. But this could become, you know, somewhat Mm -hmm. of an issue. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think we need to pull him aside, take him out of the game? He's still so young. I don't want to say that that, Mm -hmm. you know, drastic measures are what we have to take. But um, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, well, in terms of you know what to do after it, I think you know, try to keep him in. He's so vital for what we're doing. And he actually that rough edge he has is that dirty side that we need and we and we have not had historically for the last you know decade or so in our in our team. And that's he's made a big difference. So I, I will say we gotta Mikhail and this and the team and even himself, they gotta figure it out. Uh, to avoid this. You know, luckily it's not happening on the rate of like a shaka or something. Uh, so nothing to be concerned about, but you're right. You know, he's, he's, he's got to be careful with that. I totally agree with you in terms of once he has that yellow, you got to just get smart, right? You, you you just have to realize the situation and, um, but, and just tone it down. But you know, some players say, and I've heard this, that they can't, they only have one speed, especially center backs. Right. And, and once they get that yellow, they're, they they, don't, they can't play any different. They're just hoping they don't pick it up and they win their tackles, which to Gabriel's credit, he wins majority of them. So I don't blame them, but I will say one thing about this one in terms of a cheap yellow, this one was completely BS, man. This yellow that he got Rodri pushed him with, and he hit the ref, but, so, so that I, I don't think that was should deserve the yellow. But if you notice, this guy <laughs> uh, kicked the penalty spot before they did it, uh, and I think the refs see this shit, man. I think he has to be like he, the refs. Just they're human, and right. They're, if they're you're being annoying, then why would they help you out, right? So I think I think that's what. Um, actually, wrote something down here. I think that's what initially um, happened. But even before that, so 56 minute, he kicked the spot. That's when they hit the uh, PK. 18th minute actually um it was a random play in the left side of the box uh city had it Bernardo was bringing it out Gabriel got to it and I thought he got fouled by Bernardo hard, and he fell and the ref didn't call it and, and De Bruyne almost had a worldie um because of that and he just screamed at the ref and again going back to what I just said I think that just makes a big difference you just he was annoyed and then he annoyed the ref and then he further annoyed the ref 56 minute with kicking the spot. So you're just, those kind of actions, to go back to what you're saying, he has to just cut those out because they're kind of unnecessary. But again, I think when you look back on it, the lead up to it is unfortunate. But if that ref maybe would have called 18th minute foul, tensions would have been nice. He wouldn't be as big of a dick as he was to the ref towards the end. Um, And and lastly, I do think, and this is just my opinion of it, I do think that red was kind of harsh. I think that second yellow was harsh because I'm just the type of person. If I was a ref and this is just my philosophy is you never want to make yourself part of the game. You want the game to go as smooth as possible. Right. I just feel that if he had a certain warning to Gabriel at that point. Right. And just say, I don't know why it's so hard to say, Hey, but listen, man, come on. You're on a yellow dude. Let's keep this game going. Let's keep it clean. Come on. It was 60 yards away from goal. There was no clear chance. There's two people behind him covering Jesus. It, there, it was not a major counter. So I don't think. But he, that quick second yellow that came up just shows you he was just pissed. He's like, ah, "Fuck this guy! I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna help him out because he's just being a dick all game and he's yelled at me from the get go." So no, you know, you cost yourself this. Uh, um, so yeah, that's that's what I think about Gabriel. Uh, I do think this game. He was the ref did not help situation and he could have saved it and I've seen that happen you really think people will be complaining if you didn't give a second yellow no it would people would bitch about it maybe a little bit but it wouldn't be something that is um you know like like heavily uh argued I guess what do you think
1: yeah that I, I think you bring up a, a good point there and I forgot about that little moment that happened in the first half where you know he did get a little annoyed and, and chirped at the ref and I, I, I kind of want to spend that a, a little bit Differently towards the lack of leadership that we have on the pitch and, and the lack of a captain, right? That should be the captain's responsibility to go to the ref and say, hey, man, you know, what happened there? Maybe a little bit harsher than that, obviously. But hey, what what's going on? Um, I know Laka is our captain right now don't really see him as a captain of the future, but um, I really think that's a situation that we have to get out, that we have to get sorted out sooner rather than later. And I think it will help in, in little situations like that throughout the game where there's that that singular voice on the pitch that can go to the ref, have a human-to-human conversation, and maybe annoy the ref a little bit less and uh, lessen some of the blow of, of these quick instant yellows and then quick instant reds that quite frankly, seem to uh, follow Arteta teams. Uh, I think we're up to 10 Reds in the Arteta yeah. era thus far, which is um, a lot. And, and, I mean, it really cost us last year, obviously cost us uh, on Saturday, and it's something mm-hmm. that we need to rein in and, and really uh, work on as a team.
0: I totally agree. Yeah, it's something that is becoming vital, and it just ruins games. It completely changes it, and we can't afford to. You know, right now we're sitting sitting at fourth, a couple of games in hand with uh, teams behind us. Tottenham, Man United, both have uh, two games in hand. Brighton has a game in hand. Wolves have two games. Leicester have two games. So plenty of time to go. The fourth is good, but to be honest, like I'm not seeing it as a true fourth place because of the games in hand. Though you know, the same goes that you rather have the points than the games in hand. So I'll take it. I was sitting at 35 points. Um, what is that? Seven from Liverpool. I mean, not terrible, man, for a growing team to be so young, to be going here, um, to be at this place at, at this point in the season. It's working. You know, that's. I think that's the most important thing. It's whatever we're doing is working. We as the, as the fans, I think, have a responsibility too. I think we have a responsibility to just – keep up with the team and keep up the support with them and do not get too high or do not get too low either. Um If we have a loss and it's a bad one, we have to learn to chalk it up as just, all right, it's a bad L, but let's move on. It's nothing to dive into too deep and say everything is uh, is not working and uh it's doomsday basically. Um So I, I think I'm encouraged by that. Uh I haven't been this excited in a season for the season's finish in, in quite some time. But, um, yeah, we have AFCON coming up. Uh, What are your thoughts for the next month? You know, you think things are going to change up. Um, I know Liverpool obviously is going to miss a few pieces. But uh, what are you thinking of that tourney?
1: Yeah, so I think it's an interesting tourney. um, One that um, a lot of people uh, should be excited for. There's a lot of great talent out of Africa, especially in the Premier League right now. You got Salah, you got Mane, we have Thomas Partey. Um, Obama Yang, number of different players that are exciting, world-class players. Um, we were just looking at the schedule. I thought it would affect Liverpool a little bit more than it might. They only have two league games. It, it looks like um, during that stretch where they'll where they'll be missing Salah and Mane, which is you know the engine of their team. So I don't really think it's going to affect their league position. Um, as much as it might affect our league position, uh, we have Tottenham coming up on January 16th, where we'll be without Thomas Partey, who we highlighted at the start of this pod has looked phenomenal recently. And we're probably going to have to rely on Sambi Lakonga, unless we're yeah. going to bring somebody in, in the January window, which I know is traditionally very hard to uh, do. You, you either have to grossly overpay for someone or get someone on loan. And we know the type of climate that we're working in right now where teams are strapped for cash. They're really trying to hold on to players. So I, I think that Tottenham game is is going to be incredibly tricky. It is at their place. Um and it's it's vital. It's a six pointer. It is it is a top four yeah, rivalry game.
0: What do you think you, about Sambi?
1: Great player, young, still learning. Um I think the Liverpool game exposed him a little bit, which mm-hmm. is okay. I agree. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're going to have games like that, at, you know, with all the 23 and under players that we have. But I think he's, you know, learning how to adapt to the Premier League. And like we talked about with Tommy Asser, he was a, an unknown before he got to Arsenal, playing in uh, the Dutch League with Anderlecht, or sorry, uh, yeah, the Dutch League with Anderlecht, uh, part of the, you know, mm. Belgium team as well. Um He's a developing player and someone that needs minutes and hasn't had minutes recently. So um, I think this will be a good time for him to show what he's learned and and really get some uh, high-level Premier League minutes. What, what are your thoughts on Sambi?
0: I love him. I think, uh, and the one thing with me, I think is becoming a pattern. I just love people who look to go forward and are trying to make plays, even though you can't all the time. It's just, are you looking for that? And Samby's is one of those. What I do worry, though, is he hasn't played minutes in a while. And to go into it, that game, I don't know what Mikel's going to do. I can't think of anyone else there, maybe a Maitland-Niles. I would like there, especially Tottenham game. He'll get up, but he hasn't played as well. And I know he's actually been injured. I don't know what we're going to do with that position. Honestly, I... <laughs> I wouldn't hate it if we actually played, uh, God, maybe even try to fit Odegaard back there and play Smith Rowe as a, as a number 10. Um, because I just, I worry that with Sambi or Niles, you to go into a game that big and you haven't had the minutes, it's going to affect them. And you don't want to take that kind of risk with a CM position like that. So maybe two informed players, and even if one is not perfectly suited for that role, might be better, especially for Tots. You know, You want to be offensively minded. You want to keep them on their heels. Odegaard, if we're in their half of the field and one of the CMs is Odegaard and it's Smith Rowe and Martinelli and Saka and Laka being a false nine, you're going to cause headaches with that. Um, you're taking the risk on defensive side, but with Sambi, I'm not really thinking he's too much of a stopper to begin with. So uh, I my my gut is telling me Mikel is going to play um, Odegaard back there. But if Sambi plays, I think he has the potential to uh, make some important key passes. All right. Looking at the next games now, you know, we have Nottingham Forest, FA Cup on January 9th. Liverpool is a big one of the semifinal on January 13th. And we won't be back until 16th. So um, I think that players will get rotated a little bit. And what I love also right now with that rotation is we're now getting competitive. So these guys are working to get in on the starting 11. So that should really strengthen our cup Um uh, match day squads as well you know pepe's trying to get back in holding is trying to find a place in leno just like any other backup goalkeeper is trying to get his place back so i, I like that a lot you know and it's just going to make those teams stronger they're going to be fighting hard uh non-hand force obviously not worried at all liverpool we'll see what team they put out hopefully klopp rotates them uh, obviously they'll be missing their key pieces so i think they'll be rotated no matter what but uh what are your thoughts about the uh, next two games before the big one
1: yeah uh i i think uh you know the carabao cup is always a place to experiment a little you know you get a little mixture of uh some young players and some senior players um and then fa cup against nottingham forest i think uh we should just go with a lot of the young players obviously that's a mixture of our of our first team and our second team i'd love to see a little bit more patino um in that game against nottingham forest Mm Um, but I think, uh, both are winnable. Uh, you mentioned that Salah and Mane will be out for Liverpool, which, you know, puts a little sting in their attack. And I think winning a trophy this year on top of potentially getting top four is something that Arteta has, uh, circled to start the season. And I really think we should be going all out for the Carabao cup since we are in the semi-final stages right now. Um, I'd love to win an FA cup as well, but that's a little bit, uh, further down the road. So um, let's put all our resources into the Carabao Cup and and see what happens. That's been a competition that City has owned for the last eight to nine years now. And I'd love to, you know, win another one of those um, pretty soon here. So excited for them, excited to see a different team, a different look, and uh, just continue moving forward.
0: Yeah man, I totally agree. Let's see what happens with that cup. And uh yeah, I think I think this is great for episode episode 1. Uh thank you guys. If you guys made it this far, hit me if you deserve a gift card or something. Uh thank you for bearing with us a little bit rusty to start, but we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Peace.